show and I'm hitting the record button right now. Nice. New headphones. New headphones, mate. The bloody $900 Apple ones, and I can tell you that they are worth every penny. Oh, nice. I was uh, choosing between the Bose and those ones, and I went with the Bose ones. So <clears throat> they, are, they, are, they are very expensive, yeah. but um, it's got definitely it's got its place in, um, I'd say, if you're a audio connoisseur, or what's the word for it? Uh, audio file, I think, is the word that people like to use. Because um, I'm a musician myself, and I play, and I record, and I produce music as well. This is absolutely fantastic. I've not um, used the new Bose ones. I had the old school. Do you remember when Bose just came out? Mm-hmm. Um, I had one of those headsets and they were crazy good. Um, but that was, you know, eight, nine years ago. And these things have just completely, excuse me, revolutionized the way I listen to stuff. It's, it's bloody amazing. Oh, nice. Oh, well, I'm sure you'll get every sense worth them. Yeah, definitely. Right, um, Roy, we'll jump in. <laughs> Um, welcome, by the way, to my podcast. This is the first one I've done. Um, oh, wow. Myself. Absolute pleasure. Uh, happy to have you, mate. Um, appreciate you jumping on as well. I've done many other podcasts for other people, but this is my first one. I decided that I now have the time and um, the ability to talk to people that I want to talk to. So if you would like to give everyone that is potentially going to listen to us an intro on yourself, where you come from and what you do. Uh, so Roy may have a funny accent to some people. So originally from South London, uh, living in Australia now on, in New South Wales along the beach, which is an absolute dream come true. Uh, been here for eight years now and, um, yeah, loving life. So that's that very much shifts the mentality for me an awful lot coming from where I was to where I am now, uh, which is probably led me to the person I am along with the other journey that I have which obviously we'll go into um so yeah left um England 2013 and created a new healthier lifestyle focusing on myself and learning a lot more about fitness and health and nutrition and what it takes to be a better version of yourself I guess and making the right lifestyle choices and yeah creating a better future for yourself and by doing that you sort of enjoy life more daily every single day you sort of just have a, a bigger smile a spring in your step everything's just nice you see so there's so much more fulfillment in knowing that you are the best version of yourself like you can only beat the, the version you were yesterday sort of thing like just you look back at what you have achieved and everything and yeah I think I've come a long way mate in the in the last few years you definitely <laughs> sure. have um, just yeah. to shed some light on for um, everyone, the listeners, um, Roy, you lost a great deal of weight, a great amount of weight. Um, how much exactly did you lose? Um, so <coughs> of, from the highest point to the lowest point, yep. um, it's 158 kilos was at my heaviest, um, which would have been in my third year of university. So 2012, uh, 2012, and then I did a photo shoot to sort of show everybody the transition that I've done in the, in the, over the course of the years. And I did that when I came back to England in July. And at the point of the photo shoot, I was 76.3 kilos. Uh, sorry, 75.3 kilos. 
So that's what eighty kilos. Eighty, yeah, just around that, <laughs> around that mark, Jesus which is just absolutely Christ. insane. So you lost, you lost half your body, essentially, yeah, so over to like a period of time, and it, obviously, but there's a yeah, there's a lot to it, mate. Like yeah, that. so that's about you said about two thousand twelve <laughs> is your heaviest. So we're in twenty twenty two now. So over the course of a decade, you have lost yeah. basically another person. Yeah. Do you feel that you've lost a person, not so much in the sense of physically, but also in the sense of mentally? Do you feel that you've lost a person? Um, I So for me, psychologically, it is very hard to wrap your head around that transition from where you spent the majority of your life to now where you spend what seems like a very small percentage of where you where you've lived life so for me when I walk past the shop window I have to look in the window because I still see mentally a fat person so (laughs) I really struggle to sort of understand what I physically look like how my physical appearance is because mentally and psychologically, all I still see and how I, not necessarily how I feel, because I obviously feel amazing, but that mental shift and psychological shift hasn't really hit me yet. And I don't know if it ever will, um, because I obviously know what I look like, but it's just that reassurance, like every single day, like you still, you feel like these when you have a bad day or an off day or you've eaten some food that causes a little bit of bloating or anything that hits hard an awful lot like that for me whenever there's like even a slight increase in bloating like I one thing in particular is I cut um like oats from my diet and then I started to use gluten-free oats and uh, rice as pre-workouts and post-workouts should I have run out of like uh, gluten-free oats and use normal oats I get a bloat so same with bread, like I don't really eat any bread. But that for me, as soon as that happens and I can feel that little bloat in my belly, that just brings back all of those years of where you feel like so morbidly obese and overweight. That just that's, that just re, like reignites that sort of feeling and sensation, which is obviously not good for someone who's been through what like I've been through and that, um, that battle you have with food and having to shift that the psychological adjustment there to not have that piss poor behavior with food because it doesn't need to be like that. Um, yes, I definitely agree. Um, and I don't want to jump the gun a little bit here just yet. I'm going to ask you questions in regards to what you've done as well, but take me back Roy, if you don't mind um, to where you think it all started, what led you down a path of becoming unhealthy um, I don't want to necessarily say that you were unmotivated, but what led you down that path of self-destruction to get to a point where you weighed 158 kilos? Mate, see, yeah, I think you look back at, even I say look back like it was 100 years ago, but it's not, it's not really that long. But you see that there's a, a lot of, there's a huge shift in the dynamics of the way that people are today as opposed to what they were even like when I was in school. So for me, I always played football, like even in, <clears throat> even in primary school. So for, as of the age of probably like four or five, kicking a ball was like the most important thing to me. That's something I like thoroughly enjoyed. So I was always active. It wasn't like necessarily a lack of enthusiasm or a lack of activity physical activity because that was never the case like I was always playing football it was just I think a 
the accessibility to shit food and not knowing what the foods do that you're like you're you're reaching out for and particularly in England it's not so bad in Australia actually but like in England everything's cheap all the all the, the poor health like poor lifestyle choice foods um <clears throat> fizzy drinks etc they're cheap as so like you could go into the shops and buy a two litre bottle of coke or Dr Pepper or something like that for like a pound which is insane so they're obviously who in their right mind is going to pay one pound 20 for a bottle of water when you can buy a two litre bottle of coke for a pound like that that's a I think that's even a battle that people have nowadays to be honest with you like they don't want to pay that like and it's the same you always see those things online where you look at the price of like a healthy salad which is $20 or you look at the price of a Big Mac which is eight bucks they're always going to go for that because of not everyone's in that sort of that financial comfort where they can opt for those healthier lifestyle choices if it's um if they're if they don't have that financial support but for me back back then um uh, my nan worked in a fish and chip shop for an awful long time so having accessibility to that particular kind of food is one heavy impacting factor that obviously has led to a lot of weight gain but I think like the the way that every shop has a wide variety of sweets lollies chocolates crisps fizzy drinks in England um yeah without a shadow of a doubt mate like that is exactly where the weight piled on um and which is like I said um it wasn't due to a lack of activity because I was always playing football and obviously the the doctors just go straight to your thyroid okay <laughs> it's, fair enough it's a fire, thyroid issue it's a thyroid <laughs> issue you keep getting tested for all of these things and you do the same test over again to find the same result and it's just a, a lack of understanding and a lack of knowledge and about what foods are bad for you and I think portion control is a huge impacting factor too, like realistically. And I think like there is a, an absolute power in tracking food and gaining an understanding. It all, it obviously does have its psychological downfall as well, because you do become a little obsessive and you do, well, you're not, I say you do, I s- you can. Yeah, go yeah I want to quickly stop you there. Um, it's actually something I saw today. And now I want to ask you, this question, I've got a very cynical view when it comes to tracking your food. Um, my life is very much regimented and I kind of live my life very black and white. You know, it's, it's either yes or no. Um, and I think that might be just a um, ramification of how I was brought up with German family. But anyway, so the question I want to ask you is, you said that it can have psychological impacts on you. Do you think it is bad? Now, the way I'm framing the question is, a lot of people out there in the fitness industry uh, say, eat intuitively, trust your body, get away from tracking your food. Um, it becomes uh, obsessive. Do you think hyper-successful people were ever told, don't work too much. You're going to become too successful. You're going to become dependent on being successful. Do you think it is a bad thing to track your food to be your best version of who you are? Absolutely not. Like, I mean, it's it's not for everybody, but everyone has certain goals. And I think like depending on the sort of lifestyle, and this is the thing, like the whole diet uh, framework there doesn't really work as well. I don't really like that term diet because it needs to be a lifestyle choice this isn't something that's like a six-week goal like this is something you need to be doing every day ins and outs of every day so for me I think like if you're tracking I've 
what I've learned is like even just like just the portion control of like rice and banana and protein and everything, what you think is like 100 grams or 150 grams and you throw it on the scales and it's actually 320 grams. That's huge. Like you can't deny that. Um, I think that is a very good foundation for gaining an understanding into the, the macronutrients and the calories that you like you ingest um and i don't think there's an argument for that whatsoever like if if you can break away from depending on that and i think over the period of time like for yourself you said it's very black or white i'm very much like that too so like i will i eat the same thing pretty much every day which i love absolutely love that like i love that but i can sort of guesstimate what i'm doing and you become accustomed to those sort of things so should i not have a set of scales with me i'm not going to sit there and throw the toys out of the pram like i can sort of make an educated guess as to what i am taking in um but that also does have a on its flip side if you pick in shit food and you think that like a small amount like you know how they always say oh everything in moderation everyone loves that which is okay, but everyone's moderation is slightly different because that big bar of chocolate that's sitting there that's absolutely delicious, you're probably not going to just have two squares of that chocolate bar. So, and I think if you was to realize what was in terms of like the calories and all of that sort of shit that was in that chocolate bar, you may think twice. Um, Maybe, I don't know. Some people generally don't care about their health, which is obviously something that we see ever growing in modern society nowadays. Um, but for me personally, I think that has been massive to like the way that I live my life and understanding then when I say that it does have its psychological downfall and you do become obsessive is back when I started. And this is something that it becomes with practice and education and everything as well. Like when I did first start to try and lose weight, um, I was very obsessive with the amount of calories. Everything was calories. I didn't even consider like carbs, proteins, fats, et cetera. It was just all about calories. So if I was to like track a a sandwich, for example, on my fitness power and it was 580 calories, I wouldn't eat it. So I'd continue to keep walking around the shop to find something that was lower calories. You always, everyone seems to opt for the lower calorie option. Um, Yeah, I don't. (laughs) Nowadays, I don't tend to make that choice, but like that became a huge psychological battle. So, like for me, picking a simple meal could take like an hour of walking around the shops, which is obviously something that nobody wants to do. And you do that every single day because you're such a force of habit. Because you try to break out of that thing, car. Like you don't want to. You don't want to do it. So the only way to break out of the habit is to force yourself to try and switch off and say, "This isn't like I have enough willpower to get over this." It's easier said than done. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And just coming back to what you said about the calorie thing. Now, excuse my French, but that's something that shits me to death. Um, people that just teach about calories, 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 calories. I want I want to climb the walls when I hear people just talk about calories. I mean, there's calories and fats, carbohydrates and protein. It is not exclusive to your health, just the calories. I mean, I can eat my daily calories worth in just chocolate and cheese. And that means I'll hit my calories for the day, but that's not going to negate a healthy lifestyle because you still need to take in consideration your protein intake, which is extremely important. I mean, that's what you use for um, uh, uh, your body uses it from um, protein synthesis to build and repair muscle. You know what I mean? Um, and I honestly, I hate it when I see people 
especially personal trainers, just preach about calories. It's so much more than just calories, but it can also be very, very simple. Macronutrients are always going to be king um, over just calories. Um, but I, I want to agree with what you said as well, coming back to um, the lifestyle in England and how things are easy. I made a post about this probably about six months or so ago, talking about the three fundamental things we lack as humans that we are never, never taught. And it doesn't matter who you are as a person. These three things are applicable to every single person on earth. And that is how to eat. So nutrition, relationships, and financials. So if you're a person and you're alive, you, you will eat. But we're never taught how to eat, whether it be, um, you know, to gain muscle, to lose fat, or just be healthy. They don't teach that to you in school. Number two, relationships. If you are any kind of person that lives in a society and you're not a nomad living out in the bush off the lands with just your puppy and some wolves, you're going to have relationships, whether it be with friends, work colleagues, professional relationships, or even intimate relationships with a partner or family members. You were never taught those three fundamental things in any form in school. I'm not sure what it was like um, for you growing up in England or if you guys were taught any of that, but I never was. So all of a sudden, for 12 years, you were shoved in a school and you were taught stuff about the mitochondria and the equator and Pythagoras theorem. Um, and then all of a sudden now you have to be an adult and now you have to go, you know, learn how to budget your, your, um, your income. And now you've got to learn how to communicate with people and you've got to eat. And we're so stressed out that we always, like you said, reach, we, we, we go and we reach for the easiest option. And sometimes the easiest option is going to be the cheapest option. I mean, I don't feel like cooking chicken every single day. So sometimes I'm like, you know what, I'm not going to cook chicken. I'm just going to buy the roast chicken that's there. And those are just some very fundamental things that we are never taught. And that is one thing. I don't know how we're going to overcome that. Because like I said, we are all going to use those things. And that is such important things for longevity, for health and for happiness. Um, if, you're, if you're not financially stable, you're going to become depressed. You might start eating crappy food. And then once you get overweight, your hormones are going to fluctuate the wrong way. And the depression is going to get worse. You might then develop anxiety. If you don't have the sense or uh, the mental capacity to be able to communicate with other people um, in a reasonable way without being rude or defensive, you know, you're going to get into a mindset at work where you think everyone hates you or everyone's attacking you. If you can't take criticism or constructive criticism at work, you're just going to think that your boss is being a dick. And you're going to come back home and you're going to be negative all the time. You know what I mean? These are very, very important things that we are not being taught. And eating is one of those things. I grew up in, in, in Africa and we didn't have any um, massive incomes. So we were quite poor. Um, but when we moved to Australia, it's a completely different lifestyle. But I was still in the mindset of if I want to have a snack, because I grew up extremely, extremely skinny. Um, when I was the age of 22, I, um, uh, how how tall am I? I'm six foot two. And I weighed about 60 kilo at the age of 22. And I was in the mindset of if I want to enjoy this pizza or if I want to enjoy this um, block of chocolate tonight, I need to go run on the treadmill for an hour before I'm allowed to eat this. And I'll also not eat for the whole day. 
And that is just something that is so intrinsically ingrained in us where we think, ah, oh, if I want this, I need to be able to earn it, which I don't think anything is wrong with that. But the way we go about it is wrong because we are never taught. And that touches a little bit on what you said about portion size mm-hmm. as well. Portion size is such an important thing as uh, we grow up from being children, you know, being always active, you know, you can put anything in, you can eat anything as a child and not gain weight. But as an adult, you stare at a packet of the empty space and a packet of um, <laughs> Lay's chips and, and you gain weight. Um, and that was very true for me as an adult after I went to uni and I started realizing and started learning about this. Um, I actually had a friend who owned a confectionery store that sold exclusive American and English confectionery chocolates and lollies. And I had a drawer at my house that was packed with chocolate packed. I would say I would have about three or $400 worth of chocolate and lollies in there in at any given time. And I was lean, 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 lean to the point where I looked like a roadmap. And that was only because I knew what I was eating, how to eat. And I had a lot better self-control. And that's just something we are not taught today. And that's why I get so wound up when I see personal trainers and Instagram influencers talk about calories. I'm like, it's not about calories. But that's the, the, the I think that's the easy way out, isn't it? Like mm. for them to, it's easy. Like it's easy to just keep throwing away calories, calories, calories. Like they don't have to do anything. They don't yep. have to, there's not much explaining required if, you, if that's the only term you're going to know. And I think that it comes down to like what you just said there. Um, it's marketing. So it becomes from like a place of fear. Like you said that you used to run on, like on the treadmill for an hour if you were to have this chocolate. Like how many of those posts do you see online? And it's everywhere you go. Like if you want to eat this Snickers bar, that equates to 12 miles on the treadmill or some yeah. bullshit like that. Like what sort of mentality and what sort of psychological <clears throat> like approach is that for anyone who doesn't have an understanding if that's the first thing they see and that's the only understanding and only knowledge they have they're going to be fucking scared to live their life like unfortunately they are like and i've been there i've done that and that's the same thing as what happened to me like because you see those sort of things or the the uh the pyramid the (laughs) of nutrition and the the healthy lifestyle plate that they have in every every dietitian's textbook there's no explaining there whatsoever. That same thing is just absolute rubbish. So for me, when I was at university and my weight loss initiated from an actual, it was actually a bit of an, a mistake, not a mistake, but it just happened. Um, just with my knee started to increase as the work I was doing away from university and the like less food that I was eating throughout the day caused the initial shift in the weight loss, which is what started this journey for me. It was only by, by error, I guess, that the weight loss journey began and I'm very thankful for the fact that it did but soon after that had happened with a lack of very much a lack of understanding I thought I knew everything because I thought it was just a calorie thing and <clears throat> how many times do you come unstuck when you think you know everything geez so I thought that the only way for me to lose weight was to wake up at five o'clock in the morning and um go to the gym and I had a sauna suit. So have you ever, have you ever worn a sauna suit? I know what they are, but I've never worn Wow. Do you just absolutely just sweat? Like you just drip, drip, drip. So I'd put my sauna suit on and I'd go on the, um, the elliptical machine, the cross trainer for one hour. And I would not get off the, 
So I would not leave the gym until I'd done one hour. I remember this horrible, disgusting spacesuit kind of thing that I was decided to wear for some reason was like sagging with the amount of sweat that I had. And if anyone had said anything to me then, I would have said, oh, it's a good thing. Sweat's good. Like the amount you sweat is obviously the fact that you're losing weight. Like what do they say? A sweat's like a fat loss tears or some bullshit. So that I was like, oh, I'm doing all of the right things. Like I'm hitting the nail on the head. You don't take into the fact that you're dehydrated and you don't, that's another thing, like keeping hydrated. The more you hydrate, the less you're going to eat throughout the day as well, which is something that people tend to neglect um h2o intake intake is probably the last of people's thoughts like no one really thinks about that they definitely don't prioritize that over anything else um and i would yeah i was i was very much that person as well so i would spend an hour on the cross trainer i think i burnt probably it was about eight according to the machine anyway like eight or nine hundred calories on the machine and then i would have my breakfast but seven days a week you put yourself in a very very heavy deficit there like and that's how I lost weight so my initial weight loss happened very quick so I know it's a 10-year journey but for the last sort of um maybe five or six years or so I sat around that 90 kilo mark before having weight loss uh, skin loss surgery um so yeah the majority of my weight loss happened over probably three or four years and it was just due to, well, <clears throat> there's pros and cons. Like, it, 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 there's no shadow of a doubt that I was uneducated and had absolutely no clue on earth what I was doing. But I got the results I required to. Like, I needed to get these results for longevity of life, happiness, etc. I got that. Um, should I have to do that journey again, it would be very different. A hundred percent. And that is where I sort of, I speak to a lot of people um, throughout the week or whenever I'm at the gym and they always ask me questions about like how I've done what I've done. And to be honest with you, mate, I think one of the most fundamental mistakes anyone could not do is get a coach and have 100%. someone there who, who, who will help you and guide you. Like if you don't know what you're doing, then put 100% of your faith and trust in someone who does like, because you're not going to get the answers you require from a GP or uh, unfortunately like a dietitian as well. Like, the answers they give you and I think if for people like me and you we we have a goal like we we want to lift weights we want to spend time in the gym we want to like bodybuild not everyone fits into that category I fully understand that because everyone sort of throws that in my face on a on a daily basis too like oh you're unhealthy like you're all you do is this all you do is that well my goals are very different to yours and I'm not asking you to live your life the way I do and that's something that's that needs to go around like everyone's very different and something you choose to do to fit your lifestyle is something that's going to last like you can't just do these things and it's just I'll do this this day and then tomorrow that doesn't work like you have to make this a priority and it is something that you sort of that it does consume some like a, a more of your life than what people would expect I think but you ultimately have to make a choice what would you rather? Would you rather be in the same position you are now for the rest of your life where you're unhappy, you're not moving, you're not making any progress? Or do you want to make something of yourself and have some sense of fulfillment and enjoy your life more and see the results? Like there's no, there's no better feeling in life when you look at where you were to a, 
where you are now and seeing that that shift and how well you've done and how <clears throat> not necessarily not necessarily just a physiological thing where you look better but mentally like and that's something that you probably can't grasp as much because there's no tangible evidence there but like shifting that mentality to being healthier and enjoying life and feeling better about yourself because I think everyone's a bit guilty of the way that you treat yourself sometimes you're obviously going to be nine times out of ten your biggest critic um changing the lifestyle choices and making the healthy food and starting with like some of the things you've touched on as well is like people no one really does that and that's unfortunately like if you don't have a coach or have someone who knows about like gut the gut health the gut connectivity between your brain and your gut and all of those things <laughs> you're not gonna you don't get those things from traditional med like medicines like no. from the doctor and everything like that's something that unfortunately isn't part of everyone's life and that does make huge effects so i agree with you on that as well and the whole thing about the coach and the feeling good i think we are in a very interesting um shift now where a lot of people are moving towards coaches but a lot of people also don't value coaches to the extent and that becomes apparent when you talk about feeling good because it's not a tangible thing and i think no not i think i know that 99% of people out there don't know or realize how are you supposed to feel physically and mentally on a day-to-day basis i come from a background where I used to be a health coordinator for a very, very large um, mining company here in Australia. And um, that involves basically looking after people's health. And when people come to see me, they've got all these goals, um, uh, all these goals to um, change and stuff they want to achieve. And I said, that's, that's absolutely wonderful. But something you need to keep in mind is is longevity and having to feel good because that's what's going to keep you motivated and keep you driven forward. And unfortunately, feeling good is not something that is tangible. You can't you can't put anything on that. And I always say to the people that come see me, I wake up in the morning at five o'clock and I feel amazing. I go to the gym and I feel amazing. I eat my breakfast and I feel amazing. I lift weights and I feel amazing. There's almost no time during the day where I don't feel amazing. Even if I'm in a deficit where I'm trying to lose a bit of fat, I feel amazing. And people just don't know what that is because they come from a family and they come from environments where that's not prioritized. Feeling good is just not prioritized because no one knows what it is. No one knows what it's like to actually feel good. Every single day. And that's why people are so depressed. People are just fucking miserable because they all feel like shit. The alarm goes off and they're like, oh, I have to go to work. Oh, I have to sit in traffic. Oh, I have to do this. I'm like, if you've got some motivation and energy for life, you can be in a really shitty job and you can still feel good. And that's where we are right now, where a lot of people are starting to realize that. And they, they, they want to get a coach now. But we also see that a lot of people don't value coaches as much yet because they don't see the longevity in it. They just don't know what it's going to be like. And like every single person on earth, people want results yesterday. Yeah. They don't want to sit around and pay, you know, 50, 60, 70, $100 a week for a trainer 
and the results only creep up, creep up. And that's why everyone sells those six, eight, ten week challenges where they give people water, celery, and you know, fake dreams, and that's what they're meant to live off. And that's why people drop, you know, three, four, five, you know, even six kilos in that amount of time. But then what happens afterwards? Everything just piles back on because they never taught you anything. Yes, it becomes worse because now you're so hungry, you just overeat. So the trainers don't teach them about nutrition. They don't teach them about um, logging your food. They don't teach anything on continuing on with this. All it is, it's a crash. You lose some weight, you lose some water. These people get their money. You lose a couple of kilos. And then once you pay the money, they fuck off. And that's it. And I think also that's created a vicious cycle where some people might even see that. It's like, oh, but I've tried this. I've seen this. Oh, Becky from down the road. My auntie from, uh, you know, Sydney has tried it and they all just gained the weight back. I'm like, yeah, because you never put any time and effort into your personal trainer beyond six weeks to actually achieve a long-term goal. Yeah, 100%. I couldn't agree more. I look at it this way. If you've got a coach and you have a really good coach, you stay with that coach for a year plus. That's when you know that you've got a good coach or that person is a good coach because they can retain their client. Their client's got faith in them and the results keep on coming. Mm-hmm. And that's just not something you see a lot nowadays. Now, I know we both have this friend of ours who's from your, your neck of the woods. <laughs> um, old mate, James Smith, who's blocked me on social media because I called him out. Um, but that's perfectly fine. Um, I think that a lot of people don't like the call-out culture. I don't mind it that much. I think it's just because um, the majority of people have got a fragile ego and they don't want to be proved wrong. And that's also good. You know what? That's fine. Um, if you don't want to be proved wrong, then don't put yourself out there. No one knows everything and no one is 100% right. And the problem I have with people like that is they don't create longevity for people. They turn around on on clients is two months you come in you sign up on the app you get a little bit of results and then you trot off there's no Mm -hmm. sticking with your coach there's no longevity and there's no teaching anyone my purpose as a coach with all of my clients is i want to teach you what i know so basically what i'm doing my business model is to keep me out of business because i want my clients to leave with that knowledge that i have it's a horrible business model but I didn't get into this purely for money-making. I want people to feel and look the way they want to look and feel amazing like I do. So in essence, it's a, it's a really shitty business model, but I get the satisfaction from knowing I've done something good and I've left a mark. 100%, mate. I think you've, you've hit the nail on the head. I think like the, the need for results is so rapid and that they don't have that trust because they don't see that they've lost three kilos in one week or they don't feel Mm. amazing and this thing does take time you need that shift in like what's happening inside your body to create all of those those new emotions and those new feelings and gain better understanding because like you said if they don't understand what it feels like to feel good and to be happy how did I expect it to just happen like that? If they've spent all of their life feeling miserable and unhappy, it doesn't just shift to the opposite way overnight. Just because you, you've started a, with a new coach and there's a few dietary changes and lifestyle changes, it, it still takes its time. And I think like for me, I struggled when I first had a coach because it helped me understand food more and when I got my first diet plan I thought how on earth am I ever going to eat all of this I can't ever eat all of this food and then you get used to that 
and then after like a month and i think that i think that the time frame for when you do start to see that shift in mentality and physiological benefits there is like four to six weeks i think once you've had that period there you do feel a lot better after that period of time and you do gain it's it essentially just comes down to understand it like how you understand what your body is doing and where you're at and like what your expectations are you i think the the emphasis is placed like on the the coach's knowledge and you do have that level of trust like what's the point and like you said you're paying 78 100 dollars a week people want results right and having going into that sort of relationship with your coach thinking that there is a six-week challenge or an eight-week challenge or a three-week abs challenge or whatever these people sell is is just garbage and I think if you lead into that sort of relationship with that mentality you're you're setting yourself up for failure because like you said that might be good when you you've reduced your calories down to like 1200 calories for six weeks of course you're going to lose weight like but when you go from 1200 calories back to 3000 calories because you've got no fucking clue or you've gained no further understanding as to what you're doing guess what you put the weight back on and you balloon like and that uh-huh. it does that it does affect your your mental state and your hormone levels and everything as well which yeah again comes down to understanding I've seen that definitely with some, especially the female clients that I have when I um, sign them up um, and we go through our initial call and setting everything up. Um, I get them. What I do is now it's probably, again, I think I'm a very bad business person. Sometimes Um, I'm not driven business minded, but when I sign someone up, I always put them on maintenance, always, always, always put them on maintenance for at least two to three weeks. And they all ask me, they're like, why do you do this? I've been with other coaches and it's always aggressive straight away. I was like, because I need to see what your body is going to do. I need to see how you're going to respond firstly to the food I'm giving you. Then I need to see is what I've given you as maintenance. Is that even your maintenance? Are you a lot more active than what you told me? Are you a lot less active than what you told me? I need to see how do you build a house? You lay the foundation first. You don't, you don't build a fucking roof, do you? So we need to build a foundation first, see what's happening, see how you're responding, especially for females um, when it comes to their menstrual cycle as well. There might be a lot of fluctuation. There might not be. Um, and then from there on out, we'll, um, we'll put the deficit in or um, the surplus if you are looking to, you know, bulk up a little bit. And then once we get to the point where it's um, just maintenance calories, even with maintenance, a lot of the people say to me, it's like, that is a lot of food. I said to them, well, no, that's not really a lot of food. That's how much you need just to survive and to move during the day. And they would say to me, it's like, but I've been with coaches and, you know, I was doing like 1,200 calories. I said, well, you should probably go ask for your money back because that wasn't a coach. That was a con artist. Because they <laughs> sell you this dream of something and you never achieved it. And, I th- and that's another bad thing about the fitness industry as well, that you have these people out there doing that. But, you know, um, I hope and I-, I wish them the best. That just gives us better opportunity to have clients come to us and we can show them what really is involved in this. It's not a six weeks. It's not an eight weeks. This is a long process. And, you know, if we're good, you stick with us. You stick with your coach for, you know, two plus years and you teach them how to eat. And eventually you get to a point where, you know, you've got females that weigh 60 kilo and they're on 3,500 calories. Mm -hmm. And that's more than what most men eat. 
and they are building muscle and they are looking great and they feel fucking amazing. And, and this is the biggest thing I see with females as well, as, um, especially when they go on that 1200 calorie nonsense, they lose their menstrual cycles. And that is horrible, 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 because that also in return makes them feel bad. And every single female client I've had um, is either on contraceptive or they've come off contraceptive, they lost their cycle and they've been with other coaches and it's just gotten worse. And we've gotten them to a point where in two months, their cycle is almost bang on 28 days. Yeah, wow. And that's not something you see from the majority of personal trainers out there. And this is also not something that I learned at university. I need, I need to point that out. It's not something that we were taught at university um, when I was doing, when I was studying my degree. We touched on all of 10% of the female anatomy um, when I was at university. 90% of it is all, is all male driven, uh, which, you know, is probably the problem that we have nowadays. But what I learned from, especially females, nutrition and training and menstrual cycle, I learned from my partner, Kayla, um, and also doing my own studies afterwards. And she's making waves in the industry. Um, and she's doing wonderful things. And she actually had the other day, one of her clients ended up um, finishing up with her. But this particular client has been with Kayla since she started. So she's been with Kayla for three years. And Kayla was a little bit sad when uh, this particular client had um, finished up training with Kayla. And I said to her, I said, that's the whole idea. I said, she's been with you for three years. She's learned as much as she can learn. It is now time for her to go, you know, basically like a, like a little bird. You know, she needs to go spread her own wings. Yeah, I think. Um, <laughs> yeah, go on, sorry. And, and that's what we need in, in the fitness industry. Um, people are way too money hungry. And I understand that. I fully understand that. But we also need to look at our clients and realize that they are going to leave eventually. But you need to teach them your ways. And that's, that's what I would like to see. And that's the kind of impact I want to leave as well. Yeah, I think that's a very powerful mentality that you have as well. Like you're not just here, like you said, it's not just a money-making scheme or like just a, you're not trying to just sell something, like just to get someone in and get someone out. Like you're there to help people and to benefit them into like, I guess longevity is like a goal for everybody or it should definitely be a goal for everybody. Like we're here for a, on, on earth to enjoy ourselves, but for a long period of time as well. And I think that's starting to increase as obviously the years go by. So why would you not want to spend the majority of your life feeling good, feeling better and enjoying it more? And like you said, they're like everyone can just sell a quick program and make someone feel good for a short period of time. But then that doesn't that negatively impacts their life for such a substantially longer period than what it, what it ever should, because they, they feel so much worse after the six weeks are done than what they did at the beginning. And I think that it's just marketing like the way that they market these things is like it's a, like you said it's a, it's a magic like this magic pill or this potion or uh, the results that come instantaneously that's not life unfortunately and if you're that naive to think that that's what happens then you probably you probably deserve to throw your money down the drain and and deal with yeah. like these idiots because you're no better than them really like and but then these people that do those sort of things they are very good at the way that they market their products and they capture a certain audience like they definitely do and um i think that also comes down to the point where 
people are lazy and they are getting lazier. So if someone gives you the option where you like Carl's there and he's got this coaching program and he doesn't mark it as like a six week, eight week or 12 week goal or a 12 week challenge or something like that, they're probably going to go with someone who's gone, oh, well, there's a four week challenge. I can lose 10% on my body fat. And that's how good am I going to feel then? Or you can go with the longevity approach and have a coach where you actually learn and gain understanding as to what you're doing, why you're doing it. But ultimately, you feel so much better. And I think that one of the most powerful things you can do, particularly if you have a good coach, is ask questions. Like, because these people have knowledge. And if you don't have that knowledge and you don't have that understanding, don't be afraid to ask a question as to why the coach is giving you X, Y, Z and what the benefits are, what does the coach expect to see as a result of what's happening. But like what you touched on earlier, these things from a coach's perspective, they take time. Like it is a a thing where you need to gain understanding as to who your client is and how they react to certain things. And that ultimately leads to a better outcome because you like you say your analogy there of building the roof like you don't do that you start from the bottom and you build a much firmer like an, a, a much better like prototype of this person based on the knowledge that you have on them and how you structure their plans and like obviously it comes again the word education I love that like it is an educational process for both you and your client because you get to work together and to build a better person, not only for your client, but also for yourself too, because like, especially with someone with your mindset is that you want to better people's lives and you want to give people the knowledge that you have, like that's very powerful for you to do that and to accept that people are not going to stay with you forever, but they are, however, going to use what you have taught them to better their lives Mm. aside from being with you. That's, that's the big thing, um, Roy, for me is, you know, I could go out and create an app and, you know, sell the app, but I don't want to do that. I know it'll probably make me a lot of money, but I want to be intimate with my people. I want to be able to work one-on-one with, with my clients. Um, I've got, I've got two guys, sorry, four guys that has been with me from the very start. And I've been doing this for about 10 months now. And I've never been, don't, I've never been a personal trainer. Um, I, you know, I studied movement science and exercise physiology at university and then, you know, straight away got a job in the mining sector as a health coordinator. But when I decided to go online, I've never coached anyone. And I've got four guys that are still with me. The first two gentlemen signed up with me straight away. They've been with me nonstop. And the other two gentlemen signed up with me and they had to take a break due to work commitments and, you know, with the lockdowns and whatnot with financial reasons. But I know their bodies through and through. I can say, listen, they can come to me on um, our weekly check and be like, hey, Carl, I didn't sleep well. Uh, I feel a little bit shit. And it's like, what did you do here? What did you do last night? What did you eat? Were you eating according to this? And they're like, no, I kind of had this. I'm like, yeah, see, I know. I know exactly how that works. And I find so much more in, uh, I find so much more fulfillment out of doing it like that. So, that's where I, even though they pay me, but that's where I get my satisfaction from. And I could never sell the way some of these other people sell with like 250,000, half a million, million followers. Because they use either one of two tactics. They either sell you a dream that's not possible or they fear monger you. You know, they kind of bully you into a set. And I could, I could never do that. That's just not something that sits right with me. Um, that's not the person I am. I, I, I just, I just couldn't do that. I want to teach people how 
to live the lifestyle. Not like you said before, it shouldn't be a diet. It should be a lifestyle choice. I want them to teach, to teach them how to live the lifestyle. And again, the biggest, I've said this before, the biggest thing for me is feeling good. Looking good and performing are byproducts of what I teach you. I want people to feel the way I do, right? I wake, fucking hell, man. I wake up in the morning and I'm full of energy. We're straight out the door. As soon as the alarm goes off, well, we wake up before the alarm goes off. We're out the door straight away. Then we come back, we eat, then we hit the gym. If anyone could burst through my door at any time of day and they're like, hey, Cole, listen, do you want to go, oh, I've got, I don't know, hiking. I'm like, hell yeah, let's go hiking. Or if they say something like, oh, do you want to go kayaking? I've never kayaked before in my life. But I'm like, yes, let's go because I've always got energy. You know, I've always ready to do something because I feel great. If I'm in the middle of working or, you know, cooking dinner and, you know, the missus are like, you know, she's looking at me. I'm like, hey, yes, you know, I'm ready. There's no, <laughs> there's never any excuse of like, hey, no, nah, I'm just not feeling it. I'm tired. Well, I feel bloated. And it's vice versa with me and, and my partner, Kayla, as well. It's the same with her. She's never bloated. She's never tired. We always sleep great. If, if, if Kayla says, Carl, do you want to go do this? I'm like, yeah, let's go. If I say, Kayla, hey, do you want to go do that? It's always, unless we've got pressing work that needs to be done, it's always a fuck yes, let's go do it. And that, I want everyone to feel that way. And this brings me back to my another question that I have for you. I know this is very difficult to answer this because it's been over such a large period of time. It's a whole decade. But how do you feel? If you can put that into words, I want to know how do you feel and how did you actually first tell me how did you feel 10 years ago and how do you feel now? Um, you're right. That is very difficult. Um, so I think obviously the most, the easiest aspect there for me to touch on is the physicality of things like waking up and being like, I don't think for me having to put this into scale, like I kept all of my clothes from what, from when I was at my biggest to where I am now. So like I was a 56 inch waist and a three or four XL clothing. So how did I feel? I felt like shit. But the the things that I was doing as well, like at university, was drinking like maybe three, three and a half thousand calories on a night out. Like, Jesus. Just, yeah, it's insane. And unless you have like <clears throat> to gain, I, I remember going to um, like this dietitian through through university because obviously I was morbidly obese. And they said, oh, so what do you what do you drink? And I said, oh, you you don't want to know. And he said, oh, just give me a rough idea of what you'd have on a night out. So I, I told her and she, she said, okay, well, let's crunch these numbers of what, you, what you're doing. And it was like 3,700 calories just on a night out. That's without any oh, food intake wow. or, or anything else throughout the day, which is absolutely insane. I know. That leads to like now I could never even dream of doing something like that because that leads to like not only that night feeling like shit with the headaches with the sugar and all of that but the next two or three days afterwards is so impactful for me like and with now like I would make that lifestyle choice that I wouldn't do that because training is a priority and feeling good is a priority I know that no there's no good feeling that comes from that those lifestyle choices so I choose not to do that so back then everyone looks at you everyone's judgmental like who's this fat guy like he's there 
this big, huge dude. And in, in the scheme of things, like I was obviously morbidly obese, but in comparison to other people, I wasn't that big. But when you're in a room of like 200 people in a lecture and you're by far the biggest person there, you tend to be the person that everyone looks at. And especially with the lecturer, if they're asking questions, it's always going to be to the big fat group, big fat dude there. So like for me, it was like you got singled out a lot more. And just based on the way that you look is it in comparison to like other people in pretty depressing. I'll quickly stop you there as well. I don't want, um, I want you to know that this is not purely just because you were fat. Um, it is because you are the odd one out. When I was at university, remember, uh, keep in mind, I went to university as an adult. So I was a mature student. Um, I got singled out because it was a big buff dude. So just mm. because you were fat, don't think people were picking on you because you were fat. They were picking mm. on you because you look different. And I think that's what we all do as well. Honestly, um, Roy, I got picked on as a 24-year-old, 25-year-old grown-ass man. Fucking, I got picked on at university. People used to pick on me. And I want to just to let you feel a little bit better in yourself as well. They weren't picking on you because you were fat. They picked on you because you looked different to them. Yeah, which And is, I guess that's human nature. Yeah, I guess. I think everyone's sort of a little bit judgmental in some ways, but <laughs> like that being, I mean, it's very hard to sit there and then have that same thing day in, day out, and then go, oh, well, obviously – Back then, like what you've just said, there's very true. But like back then, you wouldn't go, ah, oh, you wouldn't have that mindset. Like it would just be, ah, oh, it's just because of, and you're right, like you are the old one out. But like being the fat guy, like, or whatever, it's easy to single that one particular person out because you're such a small minority in comparison to everybody else. But um, that leads to some big psychological effects, like waking up, feeling like, gloggy and shit not being able to breathe like sleep apnea um drinking gaviscon uh like heartburn like acid Mm. reflux the doctor was like when i had spoken to the doctor about this because it happened over nighttime where you have so much sugar and shit throughout the day it does have repercussions over nighttime so i used to have to sleep like with a bottle of gaviscon next to the bed to just try and help me get through the night without constantly waking up with heartburn jesus christ so like, Dude, can you imagine, but can you imagine like having trying to get eight hours sleep and then waking up every hour? Like, can you imagine the effects that's going to happen the day after? You're not going to feel yeah. like you're, you're yourself with a, a great sleep and feel energized. So yeah, mate, I just felt so lifeless. So I just felt like I had nothing to give really. Like I was always the person who and someone said this to me the other day did you try to use humor as your way out because you were fat a hundred percent like a hundred percent like it because that was the the one thing that I thought I had to give like I didn't feel like because of the way that I looked I had to give the same as what everybody else did um which is obviously very sad but like trying to be that funny guy in the room or the funny person that people like because they were humorous is is the way that I sort of dealt with that insecurity of being overweight. Um, so yeah, it made me feel like pretty piss poor. And that's why that, that those little shifts when you do lose weight or you do start to see results, like you are accountable for that yourself. And I think that's very powerful. So that even just like with those initial weight loss, I felt amazing after losing like the first probably five to 10 kilos, I felt like a new person mentally not physically, like, because there wasn't much change in that physical aspect, but mentally I felt incredible. Like my sleep was better. Um, my moods changed. Um, 
the the willingness to be outgoing and try and do more things is also something that I probably don't really touch on a lot but like back in the day when I was very fat and people used to go to like theme parks I remember going to like a theme park in England and I couldn't get on the ride because the thing wouldn't close because I was too Mm. fat imagine that I was at you um was that Thor Park yeah, I was just going to say, you probably don't yeah, know Fort Park. <laughs> but yeah, I remember going to Fort Park and I remember sitting on this ride and everyone's on the ride and then the guys tried to shut this thing over the top of my chest and because it, I was too fat, it wouldn't close. So I have to get up off the ride and walk out in front of all of these people oh, simply Jesus. because of the fact that... like, And, and then, yeah, mate, it's um, that in it in itself is just like probably one of the most saddest things and like the, isn't it amazing bit, sorry sorry go on no no it's just like even it's those simple little things that like seat belts on a plane and all of those little <sighs> things that you don't really consider until like you're put in that position or just even be able to go into the shops and buy clothes it's not something that was like mm. easily done like you have to go or you have to order certain clothes online and it's just yeah it's not it's not good it's not good for isn't the it amazing system. how different perspectives are you know and and how we look and what our um outlook on life isn't you know what the goals are so you were a large man that couldn't fit on a ride and had to get off and you know kind of do like the walk of shame if i was to get on a ride and i couldn't fit and i had to get off mate i would feel so fucking chuffed with myself but obviously my version of big is of you know <laughs> musk, muscle bound if i was so fucking muscular and i couldn't fit on a ride mate i would be walking back with the biggest smile on my face i'd be giving myself a high five it would and and that's that's, that's so interesting to think that you know it's basically the same thing you couldn't fit but you felt humiliated if and if i didn't fit i would i would feel so happy and and i i 100% know that you know, people would look at me. I'm not as big as I used to be because we just got back from traveling to Europe and unfortunately I got sick. But I, I fully understand that they would, people be looking at me and be like, oh, I don't like him. He's, you know, he looks like a knob on a knob on a knob and uh, it's just too muscular. Actually, I've, I've had a girl say that to me um, when I was about 26 or 27. Um, a girl that I've known for a couple of years, probably about at that time, probably about 10 years. And she said, um, I don't find you attractive anymore. You were a lot more attractive when you're skinny. You're way too muscly now. And I I honestly didn't find that to be insulting. I was proud of myself. I was like, mm-hmm. fuck yeah. I'm so big she don't find me attractive. <laughs> and, and it's very interesting to, um, you know, see those different kinds of views. Um, but Roy, so you said that you feel a lot better now. So the question I've got to ask you, I'm not sure if everyone's asked you this but do you feel that your self-worth is better now? And here's the difficult question. Do you feel more worthy now? A hundred percent. Without a shadow of a doubt. Like I feel that, and I think it is just a psychological thing within yourself. I think that people like you more. I don't know, like that's, you seem to, because you fit in more, right? So like you're not no longer okay. that person who's different to everybody else. So like I can go out, I can go to the pub or go out with my friends or do all of these things and feel like I'm just one of them. 
as opposed to before, like being the odd one out, like just the, the big fat dude that takes along sort of thing. Like that sort of mentality for me now, that's not a problem. Um, so I feel my self-worth is probably just like floating on a cloud mate if mm-hmm. I'm honest with you like you you just feel amazing I'm pr- like the worst person for receiving compliments but obviously with the shift even in the last six months so in the last six months I had um, two skin removal surgeries within the last year so one was in the back end of August last year and one was in November last year so on my second surgery I was 91 kilos so even if you look back then from November till July from 91 kilos down to 75, it's still pretty good. Like that's still a decent amount of weight loss. That's so a lot of weight. Um, yeah, it is. Um, but that for me is very hard to gain comprehension as to how I feel and how I look, but everybody else too. So like everybody, they, they see you. They, if they haven't seen you for like two months or something like they, they everyone gives you compliments and you feel like you do feel good. At it. Of course, everyone likes it in compliments, but how you receive those compliments is very different. And for me, what happens now is very similar to what you've just said then about the female that didn't like you because you were too big. Mine's on the adverse side of that. And everyone goes, you're so skinny. You're too skinny. You look sick. <clears throat> and that I think again, just comes down to someone else's perspective. Like for me, if you tell me, Oh, you look so skinny. And I'm like, I always say, okay, I don't claim to be the most muscular human on earth, but you see me wearing clothes. Like if you don't see me wearing clothes, you're not going to say that I look skinny. I look sick because I don't like, I have a decent amount of muscle mass on me not to look like I am uh, like a terminally ill patient. So, but they, they just see that there's a change in you. So they think that, oh, I much prefer the old Roy. I much prefer the fat Roy. I much prefer the chubby cheeks. I much prefer that. Like you were like, because even being fat, like you were, I was always cheeky and had like a, a little bit of jokes, like, and banter with people. So they were like, are oh, you so much cuter when you were fat? <laughs> and That's just... fucked up, man. You know what I think? <laughs> you know what I think that is? I think it's because people now, this it ties in exactly with the question I asked you about self-worth. When you were that size, people found it easy to walk over you. You know, they could use you. You were a bit of a doormat. But now that you've gained self-worth, now you've got self-worth. Now you're worth something to yourself. You've got more drive behind yourself. You've got more self-respect. And now you're not going to let people treat you like shit. And that's why people would say dumb shit like that to you where they say, oh, I like the fat Roy more. It's because they can't manipulate you or walk all over you anymore. And they feel threatened. That is Oh, that actually makes me angry that people would say yeah. that, man. That how, gets under my skin. How insane is that? Yeah. It's that's, under um, my skin. It's very, very fucked up. But that comment happens a lot more than what anyone would ever hope, in all honesty with you, mate. Like, that's, uh, yeah, it's it's hard to sort of, uh, for me as well, like, I don't take on board. And this is also something that's happened a lot with, like, this, this shift in self-worth is, my mindset's changed too. So for me, if that someone had made that comment four or five years ago, that would have fucking broke me. Whereas now I just don't value what they have to say. And I always say like, if, if, you're, if, I, if you're not offering something to my life that's going to make it better or I'm I looking to gain any knowledge or understanding, I honestly don't care what you have to say. Like what you say to me is just in one ear and out the other ear. Like 
I don't have any time for that negativity or for you simply just because you don't really understand. And if you were to take a moment to just think about what I've been through and how I've achieved what I have achieved, you may not even consider saying things like that. So to just say, but, oh, you, I much, much prefer the fat boy. Well, how about you think about everything that I've had to go through to get to where I am? And do you think that was an easy challenge? Probably not. And to hear that you preferred me how I was, <laughs> it just sort of like for someone, if that was to eat away at them mentally, they would go, well, why the fuck have I done this? Like, I feel amazing. But for someone to tell me that my best version of myself like, for me is now, but you preferred me when I wasn't like that, that would kill somebody. Yeah. So I think that like me and you are very similar in the way that, that the mentality is there that like, who are these people? Like, I don't care. They're not better in my life. So I don't have any, any time that that comment isn't going to eat me away. I'm not going to dwell on that. And I'm certainly not going to change anything in my life based on a couple of people's perspective on what they think, because they have no idea. It's that old saying, if you won't take a bite on someone, why would you take their criticism? Mm-hmm. And Very that's, I, I sometimes struggle with that as well. Um, it is a little bit different sometimes not to take a, a comment personally, especially if it's something so personal to you because it's been a part of your life um, for a whole decade. And people say some ridiculous thing like, I prefer the sick, unhealthy, depressed, morbidly obese Roy that was 10 years from his grave. Who the fuck says something like that? You just don't say something like that. It's like saying to someone, hey, I see you're successful now and you've made a wonderful life for yourself and you live a beautiful life and you're you're financially well off. But I I like the poor version of you where you lived in in the ghetto. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing. It's the same thing because you've progressed from somewhere in your life where it wasn't serving you financially, mentally, physically emotionally you were just down the slopes and now you've progressed over a whole decade to a point where this is something that you strive for you are so much better off without that weight because now you've got longevity in your life you you know the chances of you now reaching the age of 75 80 has uh, well uh, i'm trying to do quick math in my head you know has quadrupled so you'll be able to live a long and happy life why would you not want that? Why would you not want that for someone that you know? Why would you not want that for your friend? Would you not want your friend to feel good? Would you not want your friend to live a life where they're happy um, and where you know they can meet a partner and have kids and have grandkids? Why would you not want that for someone? I don't know. Maybe I'm not smart enough to understand that, but it baffles me. <laughs> you may need a degree just to, to gain that understanding. But I think a lot of the things that happen, um, you are so objectified by people. Like you are just, yeah. and that's one thing there. So people go, oh, you look so good. You look good. You look amazing. Okay. Not one person says you must feel amazing. How do you feel now? Yes. How can, is there a comparison between how you felt now and how you felt 10 years ago? Like no one asked that. So how many people have given me compliments? I, I could probably count on one hand how many people have asked me how psychologically I feel and how yep. life is life better now for you than when it was like, no one, no one does that. And that's do like, you know why what, they don't do it? No. Because they don't want to hear how good you're doing. Uh, okay. Because their life sense. is shit. They don't yeah. want to hear how good your life is. Um, and to touch a little bit on that, um, Kayla and I were visiting um, at a mum and dad's house and 
Um, her dad is very critical of how Kayla and I live our lives. We eat roughly about the same time every day. And if we don't, we'll get like these little snide little comments. Ooh, it's five minutes past seven. You should have eaten by now. Now everything's going to go to shit. And the reason why people do that is because their own life is not what they want. They're negative on the inside and they don't really want to see you feel or do good. And they definitely don't want to hear how good you're doing because they're not doing the same thing. That's why people do it. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. Like I have, um, the same thing happens to me with the, like back to the whole calorie counting and eating the same thing. Like, obviously I had set up on, like when I went back to England in July, I had like this photo shoot to obviously go through and sort of demonstrate what I'd done in my transformation. Everyone comments to me about how much you eat. All you do is eat. All you do is eat. Jeez, all you do is eat. And then I have this, like, then it comes back to, I had this conversation with you before. Like, if I, at this particular point in time, I was having, say, 1,700, 800, uh, 1,800 calories a day. I eat that through six meals. You sit there and eat your chicken burger with chips and a milkshake. But because I'm not eating the same thing as you, all of a sudden, you're trying to sort of brand me as being fat greedy because i've eaten three times as opposed to your one like i don't understand that and you don't understand that so for you to make those comments without a lack with a lack of understanding you know, that that really does irritate me that's something that does get under my skin because you've got no idea and i don't have that time or patience to engage in conversation with people that don't have <laughs> any sort of like they don't want to understand because it's easier for them to just make the negative and criticisms and everything. They don't, they're not like they just, there's no ambition to gain further understanding or to better themselves because it's so easier for someone to put them, put someone else down to make themselves feel better because they're fucking lazy. Like that's a lifestyle choice. And I don't, I'm very careful with how, because I obviously am very opinionated on those sort of things. Like if I see people doing the things that I don't necessarily agree with, I try to keep my mouth shut. Um, like <clears throat> for example, like with the food that they eat, I try not to comment on that. Like let them do their life. If they're happy and that's what makes them happy, then go for it. Like I'm not asking everybody to live their life like me. I'm not saying what I'm doing is right and what you're doing is wrong or I'm better than you. I genuinely don't care what you're doing. As long as you've got a smile on your face, yep. that's fine. And I hope that that would be more common for other people to accept for you as well. Like if, like if you're eating at five past seven and not seven o'clock, there's no need for that comment just to try. And even if you're trying to be funny or something like that, it is just like a, a cover up for this like insecurity. You're right. Like they don't, they're not happy about certain aspects of their life. So it makes them feel a little bit better to make a slight little dig. Uh, who gives a fuck if you're eating at seven o'clock every day? Who, why is that someone else's problem? Why do they care? I think, yeah, like I said, it is because their lives are not where they want it and they don't like you seeing your life. I remember I was at um, my mum and dad's house uh, a, a while ago um, before me and my dad had a fallout and it was summertime and I was standing out the front of the garden and I had my shirt off. You know, Australia gets stupidly hot. I still lived over in WA and I had my shirt off and it was, I was in a calorie deficit well, I was in a deficit at the time. So it was very vascular and it was lean. Everything was popping. And my dad had come out the front door and he looked at me and he said, oh, wow. Just look at you. you. This is my own dad. He said, you look disgusting. 
I would never want to look like you. I just looked him dead in the eye and I said, well, you don't have to worry about that because you fucking never will. <laughs> and his face just dropped because he came out here. And the reason why he said it is because, you know, I'm older now and there's a dynamic in a household with the father and son where it's kind of like a, a push and pull situation of who's now the alpha, even if we don't want to admit it, but who's now the alpha male. And he came out trying to, you know, throw stones at me and, I just looked him straight in the eye and I said, don't worry, you never will. Like, you will never achieve what I've done. So, by all means, say your worst, do your worst. It is not going to scratch at my surface because nothing you can say is going to put down how amazing I feel. Maybe if I was having a shit day or if I was fat, I would let your comments get under my skin. But it's just not going to happen because I feel really fucking good. And if you're on a constant high of feeling good every single day and you're doing what you want to do and you're loving your life, there is no negative comment that's going to ruin your day. There is honestly, I don't think there's anything on earth besides someone saying to you, listen, a family member or a, a friend has passed away. I don't think anything is going to ruin your day with someone saying some bullshit like, I like Fat Roy more, or, you know, your dad saying that you look disgusting. I'm like, bruv, do your worst. But Mm -hmm. I'm happy. I'm truly, honestly happy. Do your worst. And once you're done, then we can go out and have another conversation again. It's very sad that, like, you sort of open yourself up to those negative comments and people making those remarks to you simply because they don't genuinely like seeing other people happy all the time. And you're right in what you say there. Like, if you're there and you're happy, you're bubbly, and you're living this life and you feel like you're on cloud nine every day of the week, people see that and they're going, fuck, they get jealous. Like, why is this guy so happy? Like, I fucking hate that because they're so insecure and they hate their own life that they don't know. They they won't make those lifestyle changes. They won't have that understanding. They won't have a conversation or to find out why you feel, not why you feel like that, but like, is there anything you, you've done to initiate those sort of changes and make you feel happier? Like no one, no one does that, mate. They're just there to put you down, make themselves feel better about themselves because they're like shit and they're not happy. Um, but like when you say things like, oh, your dad says you're disgusting. I, I've had like the people say, oh, you look sick, blah, blah. I would never want to look like that. And I always say, don't worry, you don't have what it takes to look like this. 100%. 100% they don't. And that's the big reason why they want to cast doubt on you because they want you to fare back to your old ways so they can feel better about themselves. Fat Roy was never a threat. Fat Roy was never going to outwork them. Fat Roy was never going to do anything better than what they're doing. But now, new Roy, new Roy's a threat. New Roy has got drive, he's got ambition. The world is your oyster now. You can do anything you want, and they know that you're going to do better than what they're going to do, and they don't want to see that. And it is so sad to see that from people that you know. They don't Mm -hmm. even realise that. I think a lot of the people kind of know what they're saying but they actually don't really realize that what they're doing is so negative and they're not they don't realize that they are putting you down in a way because they feel negative about their own life yeah it's, it's very sad seeing that from friends and family it is but again that's just the the life that we live in you always see the people that do the least have the most amount to say They're always the one people that are not doing anything are always saying, oh, but you're doing this. So you're doing that and and you're doing this. 
It's the empty tins that make the most amount of noise. I like that analogy. It's very good. It's very true. Again, do you won't see people like, uh, I'm going to be uh, hyperbolic here, um, Elon Musk. Do you see Elon Musk, you know, trotting around, uh, flinging negative comments at someone? No, because he is way too busy being the wealthiest man on earth and creating something that's going to last, outlast all of our lifetimes, all of our lifetimes. He just does not have any time. And it's always the people that do the least that has the most amount to say. And I know that from experience because I used to be one of them. I used Mm -hmm. to be one of those people that always used to be negative, that always used to, you know, try and bring other people down. And I think I still have that through this day. I think maybe that's one of the reasons why I'm not a massive fan of James Smith. Um, I think it might be a little bit to do with jealousy because I see, you know, well, I don't see it anymore because he's blocked me. But, you know, people sponsoring him, people inviting him out for podcasts and, and, and this and that. When I'm sitting here thinking to myself, mate, you are uneducated. Like, he's really not that good. He's actually quite shit. He's got no idea what he's talking about. He's done a minimal amount of, of, of um, education, of um, uh, what do you call it, tertiary education. It's just because he's got a loud mouth. And you know what? Here I am saying it. You know, this is going to go public. I think I might be the reason, one of the big reasons why I don't like James is maybe I'm a little bit jealous. Maybe. But I think we all have that inside of us to some degree. I think I don't know. No, I agree with that. And I think uh, when I touched on that point earlier, when I said I'd use humor as like an escape, and I think like that's the same thing then because I was that person who was doing nothing. My life was very stagnant and I wasn't better in myself. So I'd always use sarcasm and humor to try and make myself feel better. I mean, at least if you if you feel your life shit, you get to laugh. And I think like I use yeah. that every single day yeah. as like that way to escape. But I think like, you are, yeah, you're, you're, you're right in what you say, like about the whole, the whole James Smith thing. Like he, he outs a lot of people in public and he has a loud mouth um, and he sort of uses his following to, as like a backup there. So like he has like this, it's like a little cult. I mean, hundred oh, percent. I've wanted to debate him before. I've even reached out to Diren and I said, listen, let's do a podcast. Let's just talk. But they live in this echo chamber where it's just them talking. It's just them talking. And their group is just yapping, supporting them. I'm like, listen, if I'm wrong, please come prove it to me. Let's let's talk. Let's let's have a conversation about anything, 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 anything relating to the fitness industry or even outside the fitness industry. If I'm wrong about something, please tell me. Because I don't want to be this massive fucking twat walking around saying the wrong thing like yes i'm gonna feel a little bit crappy that i was proved wrong but please god please prove me wrong and teach me better i probably shouldn't say prove me wrong teach me better so i can know but these people have got no interest i'm not sure well like i said james blocked me i'm not sure if he saw Duran's big hissy fit he had on his story he made a massive story about five or six minutes long about me um and i just sat there just giggled to it and Everything was just a personal attack at me. He was just attacking me personally, 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 personally. And I just sat there and was like, my dude, all I did was tell you that, yeah, you know, I don't want to go into the semantics. But I said to him, hey, come on my podcast. Let's talk. And just didn't even bother replying to anything anymore. Um, But that's the sad state of, you know, the Instagram influences. (laughs) 
that's going around at the moment. But it's, it's very much the same as like the people making negative comments because there wasn't a threat. Like people like that, that have like the chip on the shoulder and they've, they've done, they have done well for themselves. And like they, that goes without saying, like they have, but what's the worst thing that could happen to someone like that is to be challenged and be proved wrong because like they don't take it on board the same way as what you would like. You're, you're there where you said prove wrong or educate you further if you misunderstood something or you're, you, you have, you will take that as, as an educational step and how you can learn from that and be better whereas certain other people see it as a threat and as a challenge like they they don't want to be outed or to be proved wrong because it's like whoever shouts the loudest like that's their mentality like it's they're going to use their seven or eight hundred thousand followers because no matter what they say or no matter what they do these people are going to have their back regardless and i think the people and i guess that's obviously comes down to the sort of people that you want to attract in your market too right because they're they're just there as an entertainment basis they're not there for a knowledge and for people to like reference and cite their their work because they don't really have any do they they're just sort of there just shouting their mouths and trying to make a mockery of other people and call other people out but without any sort of support of their comments like there's never really a huge debate or anything there it's just like they shout the loudest and they have a bigger following so they're always going to win in that aspect yeah it's definitely there's no repercussions and you know i fell into that trap a little bit because the reason why i followed james and and Girin is because they truly have some funny shit on their instagram i laugh at the skits that they do um, I'm not sure if you follow their other friend, the black Irish guy, Olima, but he <laughs> yeah. is, mate, he cracks me up every single, I absolutely love him. I want to meet him with such passion that we actually, we were trying to um, schedule our Europe trip around um, IFS um, to go to the um, International Fitness Summit, even though I didn't want to go because it was just a circle jerk of stupid influences. <laughs> but anyway, man, I love Olima. <laughs> He's amazing. And I still I still find James and Deeran funny, even though I can't watch their stories anymore. But that's why I followed them in the first place. But then when it got to the point where I'm like, okay, listen, that is just so completely far-fetched and preposterously wrong. You need someone to show you better. And I try to do that for a little bit, but I got sucked into the negative negativity. So for about a month, maybe two months, I was in that kind of frame of mind of I need to prove these people wrong and I need to show them, you know, I, I know everything. I, 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 I'm the best. And and then Kayla just snapped me out of it. She's like, first of all, you're never going to change their mind. Second of all, even if you try their echo chambers are just going to reinforce their own false narrative. And thirdly, you're becoming negative. And I'm like, Oh, wow, you are right. And that's when I just said, you know, what, I'm not going to change them in a million years because they do not have the intellectual capacity or integrity to sit there with an open mind and have a conversation with someone that might be able to show them a different way. And I had just to step away because I I kind of fell into that uh, trap of like the Instagram negativity for a little while. And I just agreed with her. I said, no, I agree. Also their followers are not people that I want to attract. I don't want their followers because I don't want people coming to me for a quick fix eight-week program. That's not what I do. And if that's what you come to me with, unfortunately, we're not going to be able to work together. I'm very selective with the way I walk. Um, work. 
Yeah, that's. I think that like that's a good business mentality for you too, because like you said, you're not in this as like a money making scheme too. So like you want results, and you know that the people that you can work with, and again, you're not there to just sign people up and throw them in and throw them out after six weeks and help them feel good for that short period of time. You are there to better better that, and um, yeah, I think that's very different. Like that, like the app system and that people seem to be going down will make them a lot of money. Um, but unfortunately, well, I'm not unfortunately for them because they don't care, but like they don't see the repercussions that it has on people's longevity and happiness and everything over an extended period of time. It's just that six-week challenge, they feel great, and then off you go, which probably will lead them into getting a better coach anyway because they're going to feel negative after. I mean, it's something that people don't really, I don't think there's enough marketing around that sort of, the educational aspect to coaching i think it's just um it's that quick like that whole quick fix and instagram is a wonderful tool to market but it's very false in the way that people just sell themselves and you don't really gain a, a decent understanding of what you're getting yourself into um which is a shame because there is so much power to be had from other people and the power of asking questions and gaining further knowledge um yeah and i say that because i've been there and i've experienced that myself like i was the person who thought i knew everything because i had i have achieved some fantastic results that like many other people are not capable of achieving like everyone always says to me how on earth have you managed to do what you've done but keep it for like this extended period of time and for me it just comes down to what you want more like, what do I want more? Do I want to go back to the person I was 10 years ago, five years ago? Or do I want to be where I'm at now, but aim to be better than where I am? And I could not do that unless I'm focused and determined and have motivation is something that comes and goes, right? So like I will be motivated to achieve one aspect or one goal or have this ambition to do this. But that dips, that comes in peaks and troughs. It's not always going to be there. Whereas I, if I shift my mindset and I'm determined, I have to do this, nothing's going to stop me. And I think that that's one thing. And that's like in that mindset that if you do have those sort of thought processes and you do have that ability to switch on and not allow other people and other aspects and what other people do in their lives to alter what you do in yours and take on what they have to say, then I think you can achieve some absolutely powerful things. And I think that... Um, Again, working alongside someone who knows what they're doing with the educational background and just as an like a, as an assist assistant there to to achieve these goals is is fundamental, mate. Like I could not bang on enough about the importance of having yeah. a coach. And I think um, yeah, like I can't thank um, that whole that whole structure of what I've been through enough. Really, it has helped me an awful lot. I agree with you with, um, you know, saying that people think it's always going to be motivational and they don't understand how you can just do this for so long. And motivation is a little bit like happiness. It's, it's fleeting. It's like that scene from Snow White. I'm not sure if you ever saw Snow White um, where the butterfly came and it flooded and landed on her finger. The moment it's there, it is quite wonderful. It is awe-inspiring. But then the butterfly takes off again. So it's not going to be there forever, but it does happen. And when it's there, it is beautiful and it blossoms. But the key to it is discipline. 
discipline and drive because discipline is going to get you out of bed. Discipline is going to make you stick to the meal plan. Discipline is going to make you eat that extra meal that you don't want to eat. Discipline is going to get you to the gym, even though you didn't sleep well. And a lot of people think, oh, I'm always going to be motivated. Oh, I'm just going to have some more pre-workout. You need to move away from those kinds of things. All these people that are always posting motivational shit, motivational shit. I'm like, my dude, I bet you right now, if I climb through your screen, that you're not motivated to do whatever you're doing right now. And it has to be discipline. People need to preach more about discipline and having a good structure because that's how you do things. Rome wasn't built in one day when it felt really good. You know, Rome was built over a time frame of consistently doing something, you know, and that's true for everything. Um, but Ray, I kind of want to move a little bit away from the fitness thing um, for a moment. Um, and as you said before, you live in Australia now. So why Australia? <laughs> How was your time in England? Um, that's probably <laughs> the answer. <laughs> that's probably well, the, uh, the answer to my question. Yeah, okay. well... You and I have had this conversation, but I'll, I'll elaborate a little bit on it. I have always had this inclination that maybe I was born in the wrong place and in the wrong era, that I should have been born in the industrial era somewhere in England. Um, and I've been to England, and I don't want to ever go back there again. I, <laughs> I really just, my experience there just was... Um, not what I expected at all. There was way too many people. The people were rude. Accommodation is small. And we were there in a massive heat wave. And not one single place we went had fucking air conditioning. Yeah. No one had air conditioning. How do you people live? Yeah. No one had air. It was so hot. We died. Um, no, um, Roy, I, I just didn't like it. Um, for some people, it is home. And they think it's the most beautiful place. Don't get me wrong, there were aspects of England that I really quite enjoyed. We went out to the countryside. I wanted to go have a pub Sunday roast. It was really nice. It was a novelty. Um, hearing all the people speak in their really thick accents, having uh, uh, um, what do you call that sweet beer? What's a sweet beer called again? Ale? Uh, pale? No, a cider. 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 Had a cider, had a cider with me pub lunch. Um, my roast and and that was quite beautiful but those were little moments throughout the time that we spent in in London itself um going to Harry Potter world which was beyond amazing um you know we've spoken about this I'm a massive Harry Potter fan I'm reading the books now um big fan and that was amazing but just for me England wasn't the place that I expected and I think the reason why that is because we are so spoiled here in Australia. And the reason why I say that is because now that I'm in Sydney, I don't even like Sydney. And that's because Perth, um, have you been to Perth? No, no, haven't never. Because never Perth been. is honestly just heaven on earth. If you like nice hot weather, warm weather, and you like the beach. Sydney is a centralized place where you've got the city and you've got everything built around it. Perth is just a long stretch of houses next to the beach and that long stretch of houses goes for two and a half hours if you drive on the freeway i i cannot think of anywhere better in the world than to live than perth it is so beautiful um and i come from africa where you know africa is a beautiful place as well um i lived in perth for about 14 years and I, it is it has my heart i've fallen in love with it and i don't want to be anywhere else 
I can't wait to it's, move back to Perth. It's very, very different to, to London and, and England. Like I, I say this, like when I, I was there for three weeks and the day I got there was 39 degrees. So it was just insane. Like the houses in, in England, they're not built for that. So they're heavily insulated, like in the roofs because of winter, they're double glazed and uh, probably don't have any air conditioning units in the entire country because they're not used to that. And I think that's even shifted a lot since I was there seven or eight years ago. Like I spent three weeks there and there was not a drop of rain and it was like 30, not anywhere between like 39 and 32 degrees. I've never experienced that before in my life, uh, being in England for like 20 years. Um, So I had the most amazing time when I was there, but I'm a very much, I'm a very firm believer that, I snap out of that mentality when I know it's it's a holiday. No one goes on holiday and expects to have a shit time or a mediocre time. Everyone goes on holiday to go, fuck, I'm going to have the time of my life. And that's what every one of my friends was like, oh, would you move back? And I said, you know what? If you could guarantee that these three weeks of my life was the same as the other like 40, whatever, nine, nine weeks of the year, a hundred percent. If this was like this day in, day out, 52 weeks of the year, I'd move back in a heartbeat, but it's not like that. So I went to university in Portsmouth, which is on the ocean in the Mm -hmm. South coast of England. And the weather is so hit and miss. Like it would be in, uh, what is it in K it's probably like 120 Ks an hour winds, rain, depressing, Try and shift a positive mentality. And I guess that's like, you can be happy wherever you are, right? As long as you have yeah. the right mindset. However, it's very hard for that to initiate when it's constantly like depressing and bad, whether there's no sun. And I think like having the sunshine is one of the most important aspects to everyone's yeah. life. Um, and obviously like deficiency in vitamin D is a, an issue that we obviously face probably more than what a lot of people realize and how the effects on the mood and everything. Um, having that in England is probably one of the most, the biggest downfall. Um, so when we graduated university, we said, oh, we'll just go to Australia for a working holiday. It doesn't take a, a long period of time in Australia to go, well, this life's a lot better. So we're not going to go back. And like I came over with um, three of my friends and for whatever reason like everyone had their own personal individual reasons as to why they didn't stay in Australia but this for me was just like everything I could have wanted in life like I I have the beach there the sun's there the culture's here the people are amazing they're so down to earth easy to get along with it's healthy um and one of the biggest things for me that I can't get my head around is and I'm going to go back into this nutritional thing just very briefly, but like even going into the supermarkets in Australia, it's so much healthier. Like there is such little choice of piss poor quality food that you can't just grab that shit food and just walk out. Like there's always a healthier alternative to what is available in England, not in every aspect, like there's still healthy options in England, but there's there's a very small percentage of healthy options as opposed to the unhealthy shit op- options that are readily available there. And for me, that's who I am as a person and how I've shifted my life. So that is very important to me to not be around that sort of environment. And I think that that's why I found Australia just like very homely. Like I would not even consider 
moving back to England. Yeah. Like I love London and I was disappointed. I was obviously talking to you a fair bit throughout your trips and uh, while you were in London. And it disappointed me a little bit that you didn't enjoy it as much as what I, I expected you to, um, because I love London in summer. But at the same time, I know it's not like that every day. And I know it's not like that all year round. It was definitely so, an eye opener when we were there because we were there for just over two weeks and we never saw rain. Not once. I never thought in my life I would go to Europe, Britain, London specifically, and not see rain. <laughs> there was not rain once. I was gobsmacked. I'm like, man, what the hell is going on? Um, which was very good for us because we, um, we could do a lot of sightseeing. That was brilliant. Um, now, don't get me wrong. Seeing what I saw in, in London was astonishing um, because that's what it's famous for. You had the London Eye. You had the Shard. Um, we walked by the palace. If it even was the palace, I'm not even sure. They all, everything there looks <laughs> the bloody same. Everything there is fucking old. So we walked past whatever it was. Um, and that was, you know, it was a wonderful sight to see. But for me, it just... It just wasn't a place that I would ever want to live now that I've been there. But maybe, maybe it's because it was London. Maybe if I went off, maybe somewhere Wales, maybe um, Essex, Bath, maybe if it was a smaller village, um, Birmingham, something like that, maybe I would have liked it. I don't know. Unfortunately, we didn't get the opportunity to go to any of those places. We went to... Um, what's on the west coast over there? Kent. We went out to Kent. Kent was, uh, no, I didn't like Kent. I almost said I liked it, but we went to a bit called Dartford. And, I was going to say, yeah. Yeah, didn't like that. That was just, you know, a gloomy little town. Um, but I, I'm sure if we went anywhere else to the little villages, because I'm not a city person, um, you know, we've had this discussion. Um, I, I've worked FIFO in the outback for you know many years, so I'm used to only being surrounded by a small couple of hundred people. So being in a city with nine million plus people was very disorientating for me. Yeah, very overwhelming. Um, there was constantly people out there, and just odd things in, in England as well. I'm like, your bloody sun don't go down till 10 p.m. at night. I'm like, I don't. I go to bed at seven thirty. I'm old as fuck. All right. I'm 32 years old. I'm in bed by 7.30, 8 o'clock. Your son is still up. I'm like, mate, you're fucking around with me. Sleep here. And secondly, <laughs> you know what? I can deal with the sun. Secondly, now, this is actually something that I'm very passionate about and that pissed me off. There is really no coffee shops in England. Like, it's not a thing. You know, here in Australia, every second street, every corner has got a coffee shop. Someone is selling coffee and proper nice coffee. But they're also open at 5 30 maybe six o'clock in the morning yeah. nothing in england is open till about lunchtime yeah it's insane. Like, there's coffee shops there but they're shit yes coffee. they are shit no no that's not coffee no 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 no, no, no. <laughs> that's that's dirt with some water that's not coffee and i'm not a co- actually no i've become a coffee snob um and that was something that actually kind of annoyed me nothing of england really annoyed me um but that annoyed me a little bit um and I think the reason for that is because we're so set in our ways. It was difficult to just go a chop and change because we're up early here in Australia because we want to enjoy the day. It's always beautiful. You know, get up, go get some coffee, get your day started. I'm like, where's my bloody coffee, mate? Hmm. That, that kind of annoyed me a little bit. But England was beautiful. Um, 
I, I, I bag it out. I think I bag everything out that's not Perth or something <laughs> picturesque like Switzerland or, or Croatia. I, yeah. I think, I think in that sense, I'm very, 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 very spoiled because lived in Perth for so long and there's not really much that can compare to Perth because we've got the pristine beaches, the blue transparent water, transparent water, and down Esperance Way, we've got the widest sand in the world. I mean, there's not really much you can topple that with, with the lifestyle of, you know, earning good money in Perth, being in the sun all the time, beautiful community. There's not really, for me, I mean, for some people, they might say like, what the fuck? Why would you want to live in 45 degree heat? Why would you want to work in 50 plus degree heat um, environments? And, and that's where I flourish when it's, when it gets to 40 degrees. Um, so for me, that's why I think I've got a very high standard that I didn't really set for myself, but I still liked England. I just won't hurry back there very quickly. Just touching on what you've just said there, though, I think like you, you've also lived in Africa, like you moved to Australia when you were how old? 14? Uh, 17. 17. So yeah. like you spent nearly more of your life in Australia than Almost. you did in Africa. So for you to be so passionate about the beauty of Perth is something that's very personal for you, because I think that you have grown to where you are now because of that environment yeah. so like yeah. you are so passionate because you know like you can sit there and you're you're very happy and you are very happy like knowing you on a personal level like you are one of the most joyful people to be around like you have that <laughs> persona you. about you like you're, you, you there's no negativity there like and I think that should you not have lived in Perth or should you have not have left Africa you you wouldn't be that person you are now so I understand that passion and empathy that you have behind Perth and how it's such a personally wonderful and most beautiful place for you because it's helped you create who you are today and that's exactly the same for me like I wasn't this person that I am now in England there's no way on earth so like I would never never choose to move back there to to (laughs) to go through that but like the way that you the 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 thing that you just said there was like you wake up at five o'clock in the morning you get a coffee you go for a walk someone tell me a better way to start the day Coffee, walk along the beach, enjoy the sun is absolutely amazing. Like yeah. I went to England and I, I wake up at 10 to 4 every single morning for work. And then mm-hmm. I obviously go to England. There's a slight change there with the time zones, but I'm still waking up at 5, 5.30. Mm-hmm. I can't get a coffee till 8 o'clock in the morning. And when yeah. you do it, shit. And mm-hmm. they're, still charging, they're still charging good money for this shit coffee. And it's just, you get, you get these little necessities in life that, you love and they they do make up these daily things these daily rituals that you do that have created this happiness and we're so spoiled in australia mate like it's a joke like i went searching through london to find a good coffee shop i just googled the best coffee shops in london i walked like thirty-eight thousand steps in one day just trying to find some good coffee, man. like through covent garden and around westminster and london bridge Mm. and everything just trying to find a good cup of coffee england sucks for that they need to up their game um, that is definitely something that I experienced. I mean, these are all first world problems. It wasn't until we got to, now we were in Turkey, so we got Turkish coffee, but that was, that was like drinking nitroglycerin. Um, I, the first time I had Turkish coffee, I nearly shat myself straight away. I'm not, and I'm not talking about, I had some coffee and then I went to the bathroom. I had to run downstairs cause we lived in a cave. I had to run through the fucking cave to get to the bathroom. 
because I almost shat myself. It was good coffee. I won't drink it every day. But it was almost not until, I think it was in Zurich, Switzerland. So traveling through Europe for almost three months. And Zurich was our last stop. It wasn't until Zurich that we got decent coffee on the level that we have here in Australia. And it was $20 bloody dollars for coffee, Australian money with the conversion rate. 20, nearly 20, it was $18.50 for bloody coffee. Um, but it's such a staple of our, uh, our daily routine that I'm like, you know what, take my money. I just want to feel good again. <laughs> <laughs> should be good for that price too yeah but like i said it's just all third world uh, sorry first world problems that we have um roy we're pushing almost two hours now so i'm gonna let you go but i do want to put this offer out there if you ever decide to go to perth let me know and i will gladly come with you i also want to come check out foster where you are um because i've only heard good things i want to see what it's like but if you decide that you want to go to perth and make a little trip mate you know where to find me. I will book tickets with you. Excellent. I will reach out. It's something that um, I have a friend that's just uh, moved in with me and he's heading off to Perth in two weeks. Ooh. So definitely in the, in the near future, he's moving over there um, for at least six months. So yep. it's a good, uh, good excuse to get over and see that part of the world, mate, because um, no one really, there's not many people that have traveled Australia that have been to Perth, but those that do have <laughs> nothing bad to say about it. Like everybody loves Perth. So, um, yeah, 100%. Right, well, done deal. Roy, thank you very much for your time, mate. I appreciate you sharing with us your story um, and taking the time to have a chat with me. Anytime, mate. My pleasure. Thank you. All right. Enjoy the rest of the evening. You too, mate. Bye-bye. Ciao, ciao.